0: amen this is this is the place to say there's no fear in saying that here and tonight we have something special all of you probably received this candle here and we will be lighting this up at the end of the evening and having our candlelight night and a sing-along and this is so special because for us this represents something of who the lord represents for us but also something of what the lord wants us to be And what do you mean by that, Pastor Julia? Well, Jesus came to save us, but he came to save us so that we could also be a light to others. Amen? Amen. He said, I am the light of the world, but he made us his, I guess, transmitters of that light. There's a story that I that I remember reading about in a magazine about a professor and he was talking about uh, a lot of the things he was teaching a lot of things and and the student says you know you're such a great teacher right even though you're a professor you're such a great teacher and he told him the story and he said you know when I was very young there was a piece of glass that had broken from a motorcycle that had crashed and nobody got hurt, but I took that, and I didn't have a lot of toys, but I took that glass, and I started to play with it. And I played with that glass, and I realized that I could reflect light as a young child. And as I grew up, I kept on playing. I kept that, because for some, some reason that was so special, that piece of glass that could reflect light. And as he grew up, he started to learn that he could use it when he's outside to reflect light into places that were dark, cracks when he's looking for something and growing up in a poor area uh in europe he knew that this 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 reflection was something special something special and he said when i became an adult i figured it out but all these years inside i knew something was in me that was showing me about why did i keep this piece of glass and he basically said because i actually when i teach I am NOT the author of truth the Sun is the author of truth and I just reflect the light and that is what God has called us to and on Christmas we are here we celebrate the light we celebrate the light of Christ we are looking at different things in life and this candle is, so, is such a wonderful symbol also because With every candle is required fuel, a place for it to be held, a lampstand, a wick to guide the fire and the actual light itself. Guess what? This symbolizes you and your relationship to God and why Christ coming is so important. And so tonight I want to actually focus on this and so that when we at the end of the night, when we're holding this up, you're going to remember why it's so important to hold up this light. Amen? So let's get right into it. All right. So we've been actually talking about how in Christmas, I've never really thought of Hanukkah as being so important. And this is part two. Never really thought that Hanukkah would be important. I knew it was something that my Jewish colleagues, that they actually celebrated. It was just something that happened. And, you know, people... That some people would celebrate it, some people wouldn't and so as I was praying and getting ready the Lord really really put on my heart to really focus on this particular scripture and I shared it with you and it was John chapter 10 verses 22 and 23 and guess what I found Hanukkah in the New Testament and then I said well where else is Hanukkah it's nowhere else in the Bible It's not in the Old Testament. You're not going to find Hanukkah in the Old Testament. Yet, the Jewish people celebrate it. And yet, we as Christians don't celebrate Hanukkah, but Hanukkah is in the New Testament. And we learned last week that one of the most important things about Hanukkah is that it teaches us about the importance of the Word and the importance of being holy. But there's more. And today is part two. And I'd really, really like to get into why it's so important. And you see, we as Christians, when we, uh, you know, when I went to school or here when we preach, we're always talking about the feasts, right? The different feasts, how Jesus went to the other feasts. And we always talk about his importance, right? The Passover, right? If you think about it, right? The Passover, Easter, how important it is. We study it so much. But this one, we always seem to gloss over it, not even pay any attention to it. And what I'm trying to show you tonight is something that I believe that has really taught me something deep. And this has all been part of the plan. Hanukkah's always been part of the plan. All part of the plan of what? Of announcing Jesus is coming. Hanukkah is a prophetic festival. That actually points us to Christ and his coming and I never saw it and so tonight I want to share that with you and show you how that is and how Jesus was trying to teach the people in Israel in Jerusalem that this festival had something special so before I start let's think about this is Hanukkah part of the plan well let's think about what you would do let's say you're planning a wedding right you're planning a wedding or the royal family's planning a coronation there's a lot of things you got to consider who you're going to invite right what food are you going to make who goes at what table and you better get it right because you don't know what's going to happen right or if you invite certain people and don't invite others that can cause problems too what color flowers are you going to use are you going to serve fish are you going to serve pork Beef, what are you going to do? Think of all the things that you'd have to plan for in order to make sure that that was successful. Well, I'll tell you something. Christmas was so special that it was planned for and intentional. And guess what? It was Jesus who was behind it all. It was Jesus who was behind it all. Think about this. Where in scripture does it talk about Christmas? I ask you in the congregation. Where in scripture does it talk about Christmas? Tell me. Come on, you guys know. Spit it out. Luke chapter 2. Where else? Matthew. What's the earliest thinking about the timetable of the of scripture, where would you say is the earliest scripture that starts talking about Christmas? Where do you think? Isaiah, is a good one, right? Isaiah's a really good one, chapter 7 and 53. What else? And, three ah, I didn't want you to say anything. Genesis chapter 3. Yes, I believe that that's the earliest, the earliest scripture. 315, right? Genesis chapter 315. Does anybody know what Genesis chapter 315 says? That's right, that's right that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head, even though the serpent would bruise the heel. That's right. For me, that's the earliest. And why is that? Well, because Scripture is a reflection of God's plan. It is so intricate. It is so well designed. It is so specific and engineered. You won't realize it, until you actually dig into it, let me give you an example. If you take the first word in the Bible, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about Hebrew, okay? The first word is beginning. You take the first letter of beginning. Then you go to the very end to Revelation. You take the very last word, and you take the first letter, and you put them together. You know what those you know what those two letters say? Son. Son as an S-O-N do you understand what's going on the word Messiah every letter in Hebrew is a number they don't have numbers in Hebrew so every letter in Hebrew is a number now I can't remember what it adds up to I think it's 358 or something like this but if you were to take the letters of the word Messiah and add up what those letters represent in numbers I believe it's something like 358 If you take the same words of he is the light of the world, it adds up to 358. If you say that he is coming, it adds up to 358. You imagine how intricate and precise the Bible would have to be to link all of those statements and all of those words to Messiah? It is not humanly possible. Not at all. The Bible is so specific and so intricate. So well planned. Let's read some scripture. I want to show you something. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 6 says this. Yet for us there is one God, the Father from whom all things and for whom we exist, the one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all are all things through whom we exist. John 1.3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1.16-17, for by him all things were created in heaven and earth. What things? All things. All things were created, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things Hold together so let me ask you this yes from a Trinitarian perspective the Father is the one who called and willed it but it is through Christ that everything was created guess what that includes the Bible the Bible itself Jesus is the architect of all creation and all things in the Bible including scripture, including scripture. So why is that important? Well, if he is the architect of the Bible, and after Genesis chapter 3, 15, Jesus has to find a way to come to this earth, he would have put fingerprints, directions of how to get there. You know, we always see in the movie, Movies you know or in in documentaries about how people go into a forest in order not to get lost They put signposts or they they etch things on a tree or they take a string and tie it. I remember watching That uh, that that Thai movie documentary of the the young kids who got trapped in the cave And as the divers were going in they used a string to make sure that they didn't get lost Because they knew the destination they had to go to and the place. They had to go back for safety Well, the Bible is actually streamed with things that point us to Jesus and the truth that he's going to bring. Right from the very beginning of Genesis throughout the entire Bible. I'll give you an example. And the detail sometimes just is astonishing and sometimes we just gloss over the detail of Scripture and not realize how important it is. Let me show you something. Exodus 25, verses 31 to 40. I'll read it out. It's a a long piece of scripture, but I want you to see something. You shall make a a lampstand of pure gold. Who's giving this direction? Who's giving the direction for the lampstand to be created? If all things were created through him, who is it? It's Christ. It's Jesus. Jesus is the architect behind the specifics of what's going on in the temple. He is putting everything together and giving those specifics. You shall make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be made of hammered work. Its base, its stem, its cups, its calluses, its flowers shall be of one piece with it and there shall be six branches going out from its sides. Three branches of the lampstand on one side and three branches on the other. And it goes on and on and on. And it gives details about how they should use almond blossoms and all these other things. The detail goes on all the way down to verse 40. It is so detailed and specific. And you might ask yourself, why? Why did Jesus have to be so detailed and specific? Couldn't he have just said just, you know, make a lampstand and put seven candles there? Why would he have done that? Why would he have done something like that? Well, the interesting thing is if you go to Jeremiah 1, 11 to 12, it says, And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I, and I said, I see an almond branch. <laughs> the almond branch is what he just described to build in the temple the lampstand and the Lord said to him to me you have seen well for I am watching over my word to perform it you see the almond was a representation of God's word and he designed the actual lampstand to resemble almonds and guess what there were 22 almond blossoms there are 22 Hebrew letters And there are 22 original scrolls in the Old Testament. By the time the Old Testament was complete in the temple and all of it was written, it made up 22 scrolls. The lampstand was a reflection of God's word, was a reflection of what Christ was doing with his people. And you see, on top of the lampstand were seven lights, and the seven lights represented creation. And that God was a light unto creation. And that lampstand actually went into the inner part of the sanctuary. Just outside the Holy of Holies. Because it was dark. And the lampstand was a light. And it was up to the priests to keep that lampstand always lit and full of oil. Because it would be completely dark if it wasn't for that. And here we have Jesus designing his word in a way to start to reveal to people more and more the intricacies of his coming, of his purpose, of his will. And here is Jesus in the New Testament. In John, we just studied John, and this is where we found Hanukkah. And here John starts to give us an insight into who Jesus is. And for us as Christians, we know that Jesus is the I Am. Jesus proclaimed in, in John, he proclaimed, I and the Father are one. But in John is where the seven most important I Am statements in, are in the whole Bible. And, and some of them are repeated, but I'm going to go through them all because it is important for us to see the symbolism behind all of these Seven I am statements. John 6.35, I am the bread of life. John 8.12, I am the light of the world. John 10, verses 7 and 9 say, I am the door of the sheep. John 10.11, I am the good shepherd. 11.25 says, I am the resurrection and the life. 14, 16, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then 15, 1 to 5, he says, I am the vine. Jesus Christ is the I am. He is the I am who came. He's the I am of the Old Testament. He is the I am of the New Testament. He is the the I am that we celebrate at Christmas. It's all interconnected. All of it. And in this time of confusion, I mean, we see so many, so much confusion. We talked a little bit about it last time about how people are going to church and they don't understand scripture. And so for some of you, you're going, yeah, of course. But you know what? I was actually online, I was, I was um, listening to McLeod. Um, he, he is a professor in the States. And he said that they just did a couple of surveys in North America, and they've been tracking people's reading of scripture and their theological knowledge and you wouldn't be surprised if i told you that it's going down year after year after year after year and they also know because they tested people they say how much scripture do you read and then they tested them on theological understanding of the truth of the bible And they found that the more that people read throughout the week and month, the actually more correct they were in their understanding of who Jesus Christ is. But the more that they, the the least amount of time that they spent in reading, those that spent less time, the least they knew. And guess what? The more they could be tricked. And so what's happening in North America, we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Jesus Christ coming. And Jesus put so much effort into his word. To the lampstand and how it was designed. To the numbers that are behind letters. To the first word and the last word talking about himself. Jesus put so much effort into making sure that the Bible was written for you and I. He came from heaven even in physical form. Gave up all of his divinity. He died on the cross for you and I. And all of it was in scripture. Always pointing to what he wanted for you and I. And what's happening in today's day and age? We're taking it less and less serious. And are we surprised that now that the light is dimming that people are more confused, that people can stand up and say whatever they wanna say and, and, and congregations will in groves, just believe whatever a pastor says. That's the state of the church. And what I am coming to here tonight is to plead with you. Jesus has come. Christmas is about him coming. And with the effort, think of the effort of coming in as God himself, emptying himself, the love that he had to have to empty himself, knowing that he would die for you and I. The effort that he would take. And yet we don't. Many times make an effort to seek him out in scripture. And it's okay, you can start tonight. I don't want you to feel guilty. I don't want you to feel bad. I want you to know the reality of what happens when you don't. But here's the promise. Here's the promise. If he says, I am the light, when you start reading scripture and you ask the spirit to help you, guess what? You will start to find him. When you start reading day by day, guess what? You will be strengthened spiritually. When you start diving into the word and praying with the word, guess what's going to happen? You're going to start to have a new perspective on life. The more that we actually get into scripture, the stronger we'll be. The more the spirit will be able to work in your life. The more you'll understand in what Christmas is all about and why he came. Yes, he came to forgive us our sins, but he came for much, much more. Much, much more. The interesting thing is, and this is the beautiful thing about scripture, is it always has a little surprise for us. And John chapter 10 is one of those little surprises. And I want to dig into this with you. John chapter 10. And here it is. Because in John chapter 10 is actually where it talks about Hanukkah. And do you know what uh, the uh, the other name for Hanukkah is? Feast of Dedication, but there's one other name. It's called the Festival of Something. Festival of Lights. That's right. The Festival of Lights. And so here we find Jesus celebrating the Festival of Lights. And we see that... We see that there's something very important. I just spoke about the seven I ams. And two around the shepherd, I am the door and I am the good shepherd, all happen around the time that Hanukkah was taking place. And here we have in Scripture in verse 10. And if you look at verse 10 all the way down to verse 30, this whole section is about two things. One, Jesus at the temple during Hanukkah. But the second and most most important thing is about Jesus teaching people about his sheep will know his voice. And Jesus here in chapter 10 is actually telling us and teaching that, that his people, the people who love him and follow him will hear his voice. They will know who he is. They will follow him. And he he starts off truly, truly in chapter 10. And he goes on and on and on to describe how the sheep will know his voice. And I talked about how sometimes scripture has a sandwich. Well, tonight I'm going to talk about another sandwich, and it's in chapter 10. And the very center, sometimes, of these stories is the clue to the entire chapter. If you read The Prodigal Son and you break it up into a sandwich down to its core center, the center message is the center message about that entire story. Well, the center of the message of the sheep comes down to this. Let me, let me show you. In chapters 10 from verses 1 to 18, Jesus is teaching us about what it means for us to be his sheep how he is the good shepherd. And in that section, he says, I am the door by which the sheep come to. And he says, I am the good shepherd. And he says, my sheep will know me by my voice. And so he brings this teaching of we as people who know him, when we hear him and we follow him and we seek him. And then all of a sudden, in verses, and here's, here's the, the second layer, the religious leaders come to him and they're hearing his teaching and they're saying he's got to have a demon. There's something wrong with Jesus. And you see this in verses yeah, verses 24. Sorry, 19 to 21. You see them criticizing Jesus. And then Jesus is seen in the actual temple. And it says that Jesus appeared at Hanukkah, the only Scripture in the entire Bible that talks about Hanukkah. Right after in verse 24, it's the religious leaders again seeking him out and saying, please tell us who you are, are you the Christ? And how does it end? It ends again with Jesus teaching about the sheep. My sheep will know my voice. And you see that in the frame of Jesus talking about the sheep, he is talking about how the religious leaders responded to him and at the center is Hanukkah. Jesus, in his design of the Bible, how the first and last word talked about him, how the lampstand talks about his word, in here he is giving us a clue. He is giving us a clue. He is calling out to us as sheep to look at this festival in a different way. Because why? The religious leaders didn't get it. They didn't know why they were celebrating Hanukkah. They had no idea. For them, it was just something miraculous that happened in history. But for Jesus, there was something more important. And he was calling out to you and I as his sheep to dig further. And today, I want to show you something. I want to show you something. So I borrowed this. Thank you, Pastor Dino. This is, Pastor Dino lent me this. And this is what they call a menorah. This is the lampstand, okay? It's kind of small. Sorry, guys, it's small. But trust me, it has the three little branches. I don't know if you guys can see it on either side. And, and this is what they would have they made for the temple. But at Hanukkah, we know that there was a miracle when they revolted. And so that miracle meant that for eight days, the oil that was meant for one day lasted for eight. And so what the Jewish leaders did is they went and they added one more candle to symbolize the eighth day. And so what they did is they took the menorah and they made it into eight. And then they added one other candle and they said these are the eight candles because that miracle just before Jesus' coming in 165 B.C., that miracle that The oil that was only supposed to last for one day lasted for eight days. And then they added one more candle and they called this candle the servant candle. And this candle was the candle that lit all eight candles. And this is what I believe. I believe that Jesus in John chapter 10 is calling us as sheep to look at something interesting about that festival and what's interesting is that the seven represented the Old Testament the creation and he was bringing something new and he was bringing in a new day and that he was the actual servant candle that lit all the other candles he was the servant that was bringing the light he is the servant that throughout history and in the Bible had pointed to the one that was coming, the Messiah that was coming. He was the servant candle that lit all the eight lights. And guess what? Do you know what's interesting about the number eight? Remember how I told you in Hebrew that every letter represented a number and a number a letter? The letter, the, the number eight, represents. the word het het and I don't know if you guys have it because I I did give you a symbol het looks like something out of the Old Testament it looks like to a door frame a door frame in the old fashioned ways and I remember when I used to go back to uh, my parents hometown they used to build door frames like this because the homes were built out of rock and they used to get these two big rocks on either side and a big rock as, as, a, as the top of the door frame. And these, these rock homes had these door frames and that was the frame for the door. And if you ever see some of these old movies about, you know, back in the time when Israel was in Egypt, you would see that all their door frames were, were like that. Well, what happened to those door frames when Moses came? He put the blood of the lamb over that. So when the angel would come, it would skip over those doors. And so Chet, the number eight, stands for grace. The day that God changed the menorah, the traditional, to the eighth candle, he was calling the Jewish people to something new. And isn't it ironic that the Jewish people did not actually record Hanukkah in their scripture? You'll not find it. They didn't, they didn't take that event and make it part of their scripture. It never was. But Jesus made it part of the New Testament. And what he was saying was that at Hanukkah, it was pronouncing his coming and that now grace was going to enter the world. He was planning for his time when Christmas would come. And so now, when you see Hanukkah every year, I want you to think about the number eight and what the number eight represents. Because the number eight represents grace. It represents that Jesus came so that you can be forgiven of your sins. The number eight represents the fact that he came and he bore our sins. And that he brought An understanding of what Scripture means in the Old Testament that nobody else would have had. And you see, you are so privileged as a sheep. You know his voice. You can read the New Testament, dive into it, and start to learn about the Old Testament and start to see it in a new light in a way that people have never been able to see it. That is your privilege. That is so special. And that only came and was real because Jesus came. At Christmas represents a time when Jesus made sure that there was a way for you and I to go and be with him one day. John chapter 1, verses... says, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it so here's what I want you to think from when it comes to Christmas and today we're going to celebrate with these candles and we have this candle here and you're going to hold it up tonight but one thing I want you to realize tonight when you hold up this candle that you have the privilege Of holding this candle and knowing that Jesus came for you and I you have the privilege to light this candle and when it says I am the light of the world you can understand what it means because you are his sheep and you understand what it means by that and it is so important for you that if you look at Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16, if you could just go to that scripture. Matthew 5, to 16. I'm actually going to go to it. I didn't have it here, but I want to go to it. Let me read it. Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That is the purpose of Christmas. It's for you to be a light. God is calling for you to be the light. He was the light of this world and now he has imparted onto this. He has given you the light to reflect. He wants to reflect through you his light. That is what Christmas represents. In a festival of lights, why? Because you are the light, each and every single one of you. I got one more story for you in it. And i was i was reading about this and there was a, a story of a bunch of people who had gone camping and backpacking in switzerland and they and they had gone to this town and they were converging on this town and and there were different people and they were they were uh, staying in these hostels and they were young people and they they started going around and seeing different things and around the mountains and hiking and as they would come together at night and talk about their day, on, on the first day, one started talking about, you know, I met this person, and there was just something different about them. We met them, we went hiking, we had a great time with them. Just something different, do you know who that is? And they would say, no. The next day, they would go out, and then they would come back. And then another group would say, hey, I met this person, and there was something different about them. We went over to this place and we spent the day with them and it just felt so good to be with them. And they described to the person, because I think it's the same person that I, I met yesterday. And then the third day came and another group within this hostel and they went out and the same thing happened. And they met somebody and they went on another hiking trail and they visited another part of this valley and they came back and they said, I met this person, and they were so different. There was something different about them. I said, what is it? And one person in that group said, I know who you're talking about. And I know that person. And that person is a Christian. And all these people were not Christian. But there's one thing that they understood that day is that when they encountered themselves with a Christian, something was different. They talked about how this person radiated with light and love when they met them, when they encountered them. And so this is, this is what I think our challenge for Christmas is. Do you radiate his light? When Jesus came, The star shone bright, right? He is the light of the world. He came for you and I. He came so that you would be a light and that your light would shine. And so tonight is a night of celebration. It's a night to remember that Jesus orchestrated every single step of the way in getting us to this point. You know what? some people say that well Christmas is not in the Bible it was not a festival neither was Hanukkah but Jesus showed up at Hanukkah and today we're going to celebrate Christmas why? because Jesus showed up on this earth on Christmas it was a different day but today we're going to remember him we're going to remember him for what he did at Easter we're going to remember him as the eighth candle that symbolizes grace we're going to remember him as a babe who came innocent but as a babe who came innocent who grew up in stature and became the savior why? so that you could be the light of the world as in Matthew you see Christmas isn't about receiving Christmas is about giving And God wants you to be the radiance in this world that gives this world hope, love, peace. Because why? It came through him first and he's giving it through you. So I ask you today, when we light these candles, remember he wants you to be the light. And when we leave here tonight, we're gonna go to our families, we're gonna celebrate, We're going to have a wonderful time. We're going to have food. But you know what? Some of us may not experience those things. And for some of us, we may not be doing that. But guess what? It doesn't matter. Because Jesus, Christmas is about what he's given you, regardless of what happens over these next couple of days. Regardless of what you're going through. It says here in the Bible that he is the bread of life. Remember, we talked about he is the light of the world and the bread of life. Well, Jesus would have celebrated Sabbath every week growing up. Do you know that? What do they do on the Sabbath? They light candles. Jesus would have been lighting candles every week as he was growing up, knowing that he's the one who actually Orchestrated the lighting of the candles. You know what else they did? You know how they ended the Sabbath? They would look outside, and as soon as it started getting darker and darker, you know when the Sabbath would end? When they would see three stars. As soon as they saw a third stars, they knew if Sabbath was over. Do you know why at the Sabbath they would put two loaves of bread on the table? It was because the Lord is a double portion for you. You see, all of this pointed to Jesus. He is part of the Trinity. He is the light of the world. He is your double portion. He is your strength. And you are here today because that's the way he planned it to be. Do you believe that you're here today because he called you to be here? Do you believe that you are here today, because He has orchestrated all the events around your life? If you believe that and did today, let us hold up this candle, and let us then take this. and I ask the band to come up, and I ask that the ushers would come and start to light the candles. We are going to light the candles now, and use this as the symbol for us to go forth at Christmas. And remember, I want you to remember, Christmas is not about what we receive, but it's about the radiance we give when we go forth as his sheep who hear his voice. Amen? Amen. Josh, over to you, my brother. I didn't give them enough time to come up here, but we're lighting the candles, so this is good. It gives time for you guys to light the candles.